This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. This episode, I'm joined by Mike Lindsay, partner at Steinbecker Spawn in Los Angeles, and we take a look at some of the increased risks that he is seeing from his perspective around data privacy, data security for corporate clients during the second half of this year and the coronavirus health crisis. It's a fascinating issue. I know you will enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Mike Lindsay. Mike is a fellow native Houstonian, although he no longer lives in the great state of Texas. And uh, I had a chance to interview him for another podcast, and he had some really interesting uh, ideas around uh, uh, or thoughts around cyber cybersecurity, cyber risk, data privacy in the age of coronavirus. So I asked him if he might come on this podcast, and he graciously agreed to do so. So, Mike, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome, <laughs> and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me on Compliance and Coronavirus. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. Uh, could you give the listeners uh, a little uh, sense of the background of your legal practice? Sure. I'm uh, practicing law in Los Angeles. I'm a business transactional and counseling attorney. Uh, I was in a very large international firm with uh, 20 different offices around the globe for many years, and I'm now in a boutique firm. Uh, but my practice remains essentially unchanged. Uh, I have a focus on technology companies, consumer products companies, and companies that are involved in the distribution of technology, as well as consumer products and services, including through the vehicle of franchising. Uh, Los Angeles is no longer a uh, headquarters city at all, so my client base is mostly small and medium-sized enterprises, or so-called SMEs, many of whom have no in-house counsel and therefore turn to me essentially for outside general counsel purposes, including all sorts of compliance-related matters, and in this day and age, that includes data privacy and data security issues. Do you find that the coronavirus health crisis or this age and this year of 2020 has increased cyber risk or accelerated the patterns you saw prior to 2020? Oh, definitely. Uh, the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center reports that it has seen complaints quadruple and criminal activities ranging from spoofing legitimate charities to stealing intellectual property from medical research organizations increasing dramatically. Some of those have made the news, some have not. But uh, we should all be sensitive to the fact that the bad guys are out there. On the other side of the equation, one survey I saw said that more than a third of all companies are not practicing common cybersecurity protocols like secure networks, training people on phishing attacks, two-factor authentication, and others uh, during the course of this pandemic. There are lots of reasons why a company, particularly a company that's not publicly held, might ignore common security, uh, cybersecurity protocols during this kind of odd period. First of all, 
budgetary concerns can affect compliance. With revenues down, many companies are cutting staff, uh, reducing uh, headcount, and IT and compliance personnel haven't been immune from these kinds of cuts. Secondly, uh, many such companies, even in normal times, regard cybersecurity solely as an IT issue, not an issue that requires C-suite endorsement, prioritization, and proselytizing. I like proselytizing because that's what's needed to convince people that it's an important subject. When a company's personnel are more widely dispersed, as they are in working from home and working from anywhere, this phenomenon can be exacerbated because IT staffers may be sounding the alarm, but nobody's listening. Nobody's around to listen. Or if they're available, they don't really focus on cybersecurity as the most important of the many existential issues that may be facing the company. Many remote workers also are online 24-7, working from home, and may not consciously be thinking about the risks of transacting all their business over the Internet, using their home Wi-Fi networks that probably are not up to the same standard of protection they regularly enjoy when they're in their company office. So for all these reasons, yeah, there's, there's enhanced risk as a result of uh, the coronavirus. So, Mike, you listed several different things that a company can do. Uh, I don't want to sound too prosaic about it, but they almost sounded like common sense to me uh, in terms of two-factor authentication, uh, phishing, training employees, uh, don't allowing your senior management to override your uh, safety protocols around IT. Is that the type of message that you're still giving out today? And we're recording this uh, in Cybersecurity Awareness Month, I now know, uh, in October. is uh, Or has your advice changed during uh, the coronavirus health crisis? Well, it, it's basically been encouraging people to uh, continue their prior practices. And thank you for saying that I said something that makes sense. Uh, but uh, that's not typically the sort of thing I'm accused of by our clients. But in any event, the, the problem here is that the vast bulk of data breaches result from human error. And uh, reports are that phishing incidents have dramatically increased during this period of time. And when we have a reduction in training, I mean, my goodness, that's that seems to be an enormous problem. Uh, basically, we need to keep up the communications with personnel who are out of the office. That's a message I'm encouraging people to adopt and include a reference to the enhanced cybersecurity risks during this period of time in those communications. Um, you know, although people may be completely Zoomed out and Zoom fatigue is set in for many corporate workers, Zoom can be our friend. So i my view is that that's a good way to continue the training, to tell people about the key risks that they need to be concerned about, which can include telephone scams, uh, email scams, business email compromise, ransomware, and other things that uh, can uh, attack the company, resulting in enormous problems. Data breach security laws across the country require notification to public officials as well as to people whose information was compromised. You can have uh, a, a lawsuits. You can be the target of federal and state enforcement authorities. And in addition, the company's brand can be seriously damaged as customers whose personal data was caught up in the compromise can become wary of ever dealing with the company again. 
Mike, I started this podcast back in March, and I naively would ask the ending question, where do you think we'll be in Q4? Uh, Unfortunately, now I ask the question, where do you think we'll be in 2022 or perhaps even 2023? Will the situation continue to accelerate uh, with the number of cyber attacks uh, or is it something else? Well, first things first, I hope we're out of lockdown and are not working remotely. Uh, I'd like to get back to my office. My wife has reminded me periodically that she married me for better or for worse, but not for lunch. Uh, Second, first, uh, so I hope we're out of lockdown. Secondly, you know, the hackers continue to get smarter. And uh, although their essential toolkit remains uh, unchanged, and there's an ongoing game of whack-a-mole, which I think will continue uh, with companies and their data security personnel trying to keep one step ahead of the bad guys, with the cyber criminals, of course, getting more sophisticated each year. And thus, the risks, in my view, will continue. But getting personnel back into the office would reduce the risks, in my view, Uh, although I wonder if we can ever get that done now, now that the toothpaste is out of the tube and the personnel have experienced the relative freedom of work from anywhere. Mike, one of the things that I think about a lot is kind of corporate governance around this issue and the role of the board of directors. And is that something that you are able to counsel your clients literally at the board level, that they have a role and responsibility in cybersecurity? Yes, and we we certainly do that. Uh, The public companies tend to be very aware of this because of the SEC reporting requirements. The non-public companies, not so much because they may not have any real shareholder reporting responsibility, but they should view their, uh, their duties as embracing data security. Because after all, they have a fiduciary duty to enhance and will maintain and enhance the value of the company. But the attitude of the top leaders of these companies was discussed before. It's really just an IT problem, not a business continuity problem. But they should recognize it as a business continuity problem. Just ask any company that, uh, or for that matter, any public agency that has been the victim of a ransomware attack what that can do to cripple the operations of a company. So boards need to take this very seriously. And we are counseling our clients in that regard. And uh, many of them are listening and not all of them listening thoroughly enough to make me comfortable. Like, unfortunately we are near the end of our time for this podcast, but I was wondering if listeners wanted any additional information on any of the topics you've touched on today, where could they go? Well, the, the, uh, there's a lot of information out there about data security. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission has a pretty good website that's easily accessible that can provide access to that sort of information. Uh, many states have uh, uh, state uh, agencies that focus on this. For example, California has the California Office of Privacy Protection. There's a lot of resources available there. And uh, if it comes down to it, you can reach me at steinbreckerspan.com. That's our website. My name is Michael Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. We have some information on the website. I'd also be delighted to speak with anybody about questions they have and how we can move forward. Mike, this is the first podcast I started that was supposed to have at some point an end. Uh, I'm not quite sure when that end might be. Uh, That's a long-winded way of saying that I hope as we move into 2021 and beyond, I might be able to call upon you for your advice and counsel uh, when we reach that point. Oh, I'd be delighted for that. And thank you so much for having me today.
Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This is the only B2B podcast which brings clear and sane information for both the compliance professional and the business executive. If I could ask you uh, to do one thing, if you could tell one person about this podcast, I'm trying to get the word out uh, about this most unique podcast in the Compliance Podcast Network. So if you could tell one person about it, send them a copy, send them a link, do something uh, to help me publicize this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Compliance and Coronavirus is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and it appears Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.